Hi there. I just want to first off thank everyone for allowing myself and my family to quarantine these next two weeks in order for us to visit my mother-in-law. And I know Kim really, really appreciates it. So thank you so much. Uh, that being said, uh, let's let's move forward. Um, you know, as the year 2020 comes to a close, uh, a year that that most would like to forget about, uh, I thought it would be fitting to have us go through the book of Joel. For in many ways, Joel speaks to a time that is similar to the year we just had. You see, Joel begins his story with a warning of a plague, of an infestation, a, 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 a plague that is so bad that there is none in the land who doesn't feel its effects. Joel wrote to uh, people who were about to suffer greatly. And it is in his writing that he gives instruction and guidance and eventually hope. He answers many of the questions that arise during times of disaster. Many of the same questions that are being asked today. In your, in your bulletins, I have provided you with a, uh, an outline uh, to this short but amazing book, as well as some of the major questions that, that Joel will answer for us. How are we as Christians to respond to great devastation? Who is it that causes such devastation? What should this devastation drive us towards? How will God respond to us? How will God rescue us? What do these devastating things ultimately point us to? And finally, what is God's end game? As we make our way through this short prophetic book, we will discover that there is this overarching theme entitled the Day of the Lord. A day when God will right every wrong through his divine character. My hope is that we can take this theme and these questions that Joel was answering for the people of his day and find solutions for the troubles that we face right now. With that being said, let's, let's begin the book of Joel, starting with chapter 1. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1412. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. What the swarm, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. 
It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the husband of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. Priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined, the ground is dried up, the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, the oil fails. Despair, you farmers, wail, you vine growers, grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up, and the fig leaf is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, and all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Put on sackcloth, O priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down, for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan. The herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the open pastures and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you. The streams of water have dried up, and fire has devoured the open pastures. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it mourn over the devastation that is all around them. As Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, the Gospel of John describes that moment for us. And we find something strange happening there. A short sentence. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Have you ever wondered that? Seriously. If Jesus knew full well what he was about to do, that he was going to raise this man back to life, then what brought about his tears? Why was he so sad? The, the theme of the book of Joel is the day of the Lord. What is the, the, the day of the Lord? What does it mean? What is it heralding for us? Is this an event that we should look forward to? Or should we tremble in fear at its coming? And does it really occur on just one day? Or is it stretched out over a period of time? And is it just one event? Or are there many days of the Lord? In ancient Judah, many saw, that, saw the day of the Lord as a day when God would pour forth, pour forth his, his great blessings upon his people. 
It was a day that the, that the people anticipated and longed for. And the reason they had such great expectations is because there were so many false prophets who proliferated this message. Most of them declared that the day of the Lord would be all roses and sunshine. It would be a time when God would visit his people and restore them to greatness. But as we read in our first scripture reading uh, that, that was read earlier from the prophet Amos, we see that, that this prophet didn't agree with those false prophets. Look at Amos 5 verse 18. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Amos knew that the, the day of the Lord would be a day of God's judgment. A time when the sins of men would finally catch up to them. A day when even the most righteous of men would be exposed for the frauds that they are. And so the day of the Lord shouldn't be a day that people longed for, but a day to be dreaded. For God's judgment would fall hard and swift, allowing no man to escape. And now we come to this book of Joel and bear witness to a warning of such a day. The land would face severe misfortune as, as swarms of locusts were about to invade. And it is in chapter 1 where we, where we see this warning from our prophet. Let's look at this passage and, and see what we can discover. Joel 1 verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel son of Pethuel. The first thing we must know is that the words from this prophet are not his own. No. It is the word of the Lord that came to Joel. And so this warning that we see in this text is from God himself. But to whom is God speaking? Who is Joel's audience? Trying to date this book has been very, very difficult uh, historians do not agree. Uh, and the reason because the reason they don't agree is because we have no other reference concerning this prophet named Joel. And so the only thing we have to go off of are the words in this book. Now given the fact that Joel speaks of offerings, we can assume that, that either the tabernacle or the temple was, was in proper working order. And given that in chapter 3, and, and the mentions of certain nations and of their crimes, uh, we could probably pin this down to post-exilic Israel sometime after the temple had been rebuilt. But that, even that, is just a guess. But whatever the case, whenever this was written, we do know that this was addressed to a Jewish audience, the Jewish nation, a nation that relied heavily on its agriculture to survive. Now, what is uh, this warning that God is bringing to his people? Look, look, at verse, look at verse 2. Hear this, you elders, 
Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. The first thing we must notice is that God has commanded everyone to listen. He, <clears throat> he begins with the elders, but, it, but he addresses all in the land. And as we'll soon find out, as we go through the rest of this chapter, God will address many of the different categories of people throughout Israel. In other words, this is a message for everyone. And the reason it is for everyone is because what is about to happen will have an impact on every single life. This event, this day of the Lord will be felt by all. Think of big events in our nation. Think of the Civil War. Think of the Great Depression. Think of Pearl Harbor. Think of 9-11. What is coming what is prophesied by this prophet Joel, it is that type of a event. And what is this event? A swarm of locusts. Insects. The day of the Lord is insects. Think about that. Now Joel, he, he mentions four different varieties. There are locusts, followed by great locusts followed by young locusts, followed by other locusts. Now, in the Hebrew, these are actually four, four separate words describing similar but different kinds of insects. In other words, there were going to be four waves of, of infestation. This plague of locusts was going to be an overwhelming event, driven by overpowering numbers. The other question we must ask, though, is who are the different groups that, 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 that Joel is presenting this to? Who are the people that will be affected? Look at, verse, look at verse 5. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. It has teeth of a lion the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. The first who will feel this wrath will be the drunkards and the drinkers of wine. The drunkards are those who, who overindulge in the pleasures of life. They are those who just can't say no. And they will be forced to wake up, wake up from their stupor, because the vines will go dry. That which they cherish the most will be snatched away, and they will have no choice but to sober up. But even the drinkers of wine, those who enjoy the, the, the good things that God has given to them, they are commanded to wail. For, for the things that, that make life worth living, 
will be gone. Their merriment will be no more. For this plague of locusts will take away their leisure, will take away their entertainment. No longer will they be able to celebrate a wedding feast by drinking wine. No more will they, they enjoy their, 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 their great meals with all the, all the luxuries that they had before. All that that brought them joy will be eaten up. In many ways, we have felt this same sting today. It was back in, in March when I heard the news that the, that the Big Ten was, was going to cancel their basketball tournament. When I first heard this, I, I was perplexed. And, and I was wondering, why, why was there this overreaction? I mean, we have had nasty viruses before, but they have never caused us to shut down a, a basketball tournament. Little did I know that that was only the beginning. I mean, think about it. Have not all the good things in life been put on hold? Restaurants are shut down. Theaters are, are closed. Sporting events have been canceled. And even weddings have become these minimal events. The, the locusts of our day, which is this virus, has, has eaten up the things that bring us joy. And what are we supposed to do about it? What did Joel command the drunkards and the, and the drinkers of wine? To wake up, to weep, and to wail. Wake up to the, to the realization that God is doing something in our midst. Open your eyes to the, to the disaster that has befallen you. For God is doing something among you. And he wants you to learn a lesson from all of this. Don't be like the drunkard who is inebriated, inebriated and unaware of his surroundings. Rather, take it all in and feel the loss. And then once you do... Once you see the devastation that is all around you, then you're commanded to weep. You're commanded to wail. Think about all those high school seniors who have, who have basically missed out on one of the best years of their life. Think about all the brides and the, and the grooms who didn't get to have the wedding that they always wanted. They didn't get to celebrate with, with, with the family and friends that they meant to celebrate with. Though these things are only meant for, for our merriment, there is a real loss here, a loss that is felt by so many. But Joel continues. Look at verses 8 through 10. Mourn like a, a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for, her, for the husband of her youth, Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined, the ground is dried up, the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, the oil fails. Here we see another group of people who will be affected by these locusts. The priests are commanded to mourn. 
those who are the mediators between man and God will no longer be able to fulfill their duties. Those who are in charge of the temple sacrifices will find that there is nothing that the people can bring them. The grain offerings and the, and the drink offerings will be cut off because the fields will be in ruin and the ground dried up. Not only will this plague affect the, 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 the secular part of the world, but it will also bring about a devastation to their religion. You see, the covenant between God and, and Israel was dependent on these temple sacrifices. How could the people be right with God if they had no offerings to bring? If no sacrifice could be made? This is why we see these priests uh, that they are commanded to mourn like a virgin who is grieving for her husband. Like a, like a young woman who was betrothed but never got to consummate her marriage because, her, because of her husband's untimely death. That is the type of grief, grief that they should be feeling. For the connection between God and man has been cut off. It has been severed. Last spring, our, our church was shut down for 14 weeks. Sure, we were li live streaming and doing, doing the best that we could, but it was not the same. And even when we reopened, only about half of the people returned. And this isn't to cast judgment on those who stay home. There, there are many who do so for valid, valid reasons. But, but it is the reality of our situation. I mean, let's be honest, this church isn't what it was a year ago. The, the, the fellowship that we have with one another has been greatly, greatly affected. And with this loss of fellowships comes a, comes a, a severing of our connection with God. Because Christian worship was designed to be done in community. We, we need one another. For that is how we grow as Christians. We are meant to be praising our God with one voice. And so just as these priests were commanded to mourn as a virgin in sackcloth, so too must I, as your pastor, grieve over the loss that our church has felt. But there is more to our story. Look at verse 11. Despair, you, you farmers, Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Here we see this last group the farmers and the vine growers, those whose livelihoods will be cut off. And being that Israel was in a, an agrarian culture, this would have been the majority of the people. And it is pretty obvious why they should be dejected. For these locusts will take away the essentials of life, the wheat, which was used for daily bread, the barley, which was used as feed for the livestock, all of that will be gone. Even all the, all the other crops that were typically viewed as superfluous, produce such as 
grapes and, and figs, pomegranates and apples. They will be eaten away by this infestation. There will be nothing left, nothing left to sustain life. It will all wither away. Inevitably, this plague of locusts will lead to death. And what kind of response should these farmers have? They are commanded to despair. They are, they are told to wail. How many in the last year have lost their livelihoods because of this pandemic? How many are now living on government subsidies because of all the shutdowns and, and the new regulations? How many are, are barely making it or, or not making it at all? Truly, people are despairing. And, and there is reason to wail. For, for businesses have, have had to either cut back or to, or to close down. And its toll has been felt by many. But more than that, people are dying. As of today, more than 1,750,000 have lost their lives to this virus. So many have felt the effects of its sting. Let me ask you, are you in mourning over these deaths? Do they make you grieve? Our story continues in verse 14, where we see this call to gather. This call to cry out to God. Look at verse 14. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. This judgment upon the nation of Israel would have an impact on all the people. And it would do so for a, for a variety of reasons and in a variety of ways. It would affect their leisure, those little joys in life. It would affect their religion, how they relate to God. It would, it would affect their physical well-being as their food would dwindle away. And so they are called to gather in a sacred assembly. They are called to fast and to cry out to God, to weep, to mourn before the Lord Almighty. For the devastation that was coming would be more than they could bear. Look at, at verse 15. Alas for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Alas for that day. Woe for the day of the Lord. For when God comes to judge His people, who can stand? The day of the Lord is a day of destruction. A day when the mighty are shown to be weak and the wise are shown to be fools. A day when all are humbled and left wanting. And the proper, proper response is mourning. I mean, even the animals know how to respond. And this is what we see towards the end of the chapter. 
The cattle are moaning. The herds are, are milling about. The sheep are suffering. And the wild beasts pant for God. Listen. If the animals can hear God's message and respond appropriately, appropriately, then so can we. Let me ask you, are you listening? Have you opened your eyes to see what God is doing all around you? Have you woke from your stupor? And if so, how are you responding? Are you saddened by what, what you see happening? Does the state of our world make you want to cry out to God? Does it make you want to weep? Does it make you want to wail? There is this myth out there that a, that a Christian should always be happy. That they have no reason to be sad. Now we should have joy in all circumstances as, as Paul taught us. But happiness and joy are not the same thing. And one can have joy in their heart while at the same time have, have tears of mourning flowing from their eyes. Christ even tells us from his Sermon on the Mount that those who mourn are blessed. But not only should we mourn, but we should let our mourning drive us to think. It, it should move us to deep theological reflection. And this is what we will be doing as we continue our study through Joel. But for today, let us learn the lesson from Joel chapter 1. How are we as Christians to respond to such great devastation? We are to mourn. We are to wail. Wail for the hurt that is all around us. A hurt that is all too real. And so let us lament over the, over the suffering that we are going through right now. For what it is doing, it is highlighting to us this fallen world in which we live. I believe that this was the reason why Jesus wept as he went to Lazarus' tomb. Because the world is broken and death has its way. There is so much suffering, so much pain this side of eternity. And the proper response is to feel this pain and to mourn. That is what Christ is calling for today. For a day of mourning. Let us pray. Father, we are grieved by what is happening in, in the world around us. So much death. So much loss. Just as your son wept over Lazarus' tomb, help us to weep. Weep at the devastation that is all around us. And give us hearts that are, that are compassionate. Give us tears of lament. We ask now for your Holy Spirit so that we might be able to groan in ways that, that, that words cannot express. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.